a little over a week ago, you might have saw in the news, there was a, uh, a bus that had caught on fire on I-10. Do you, any of you see that? Uh, so it's sort of a, you know, news story. And uh, 39 students on the bus and all got off safely. Well, my daughter was one of those students. Can you imagine? I mean, and I was traveling. I was actually um, on a plane when all this happened. I get off the plane and turn my, my phone off of airplane mode, and my phone just has all these messages, and she's fine is the big one, but a but, uh, bus caught on fire. Well, so what happened is she goes to this uh, field trip. They go over to Tallahassee for the field, uh, field trip, and they're on their way back, and, and um, uh, she described it. The, the, uh, one of the tires blew out on the bus, and they were, I think they were getting close enough to home where the driver must have thought, well, I can make it back. And so, you know, she looked, she said she's looking out and pieces of tire are flying off and the bus is shaking and rattling and it's scary. They're all scared. And then, and then finally one of the kids sees fire. So she's yelling fire and the bus driver finally pulls off and they all start scrambling and climbing over each other to get out. And, you know, do I, do I grab, and they all grab their phones, of course. I think that was the <laughs> He, can, he might not make it, but I'm getting my phone. Uh, an injury. Well, they all got off, right? So, so praise the Lord. And as a father, can you imagine hearing that story, you know? And, 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 and all you can say is praise God, right? Thank you, Lord, that you're a good God and you got all those kids off that bus uh, to escape that fire. Well, um, I tell you that story intentionally because, because as I was praying about today and preparing the message for this morning and looking at the scripture in 2 Peter that we just heard read in, in, in the season of Advent about the coming of Christ the first time, of course, but also his second coming. He's coming again, the second Advent where he's going to come back and establish his kingdom forever. As I was thinking about all that in, in the passage, it occurred to me that that story of, of the bus wobbling down the road and all those kids escaping the flames by the grace of God is exactly a good analogy of all of our reality in this world. See, the world we live in, in this fallen world, this planet, the earth, it's like that like bus wobbling along. It's just, it's broken and it's going and there's a sure uh, destruction coming, which will be in, uh, involving uh, destruction with flames. And God, because he is love and because of his grace, wants everybody <laughs> to escape that flame and everybody to get off the bus, so to speak. Now, some of you might be sitting there going, why did Mike ask this guy to preach? You know, and where, where is he going with this? Because this sounds an awful lot like it might be one of those fire and brimstone kind of sermons. And as good Anglicans, we don't like that. You know, where the pre preacher gets up and he goes, turn or burn, right? <laughs> well, I'm a good Anglican and I don't particularly like that style. But the message is right on. And the message is exactly what the text in 2 Peter says. And if I, you don't like it, I might not like it, but it's exactly what the Apostle Peter writes. So let me pull it apart and just show you what we believe the Bible to be true, what it says. So right before the reading today, it, it, it's talking about the end times, and Peter makes a point that some people are already complaining about why hasn't Jesus come back yet? This is right after he was ascended. Why doesn't he come back? It's probably not going to even happen. And so Peter's saying, oh yes, it's going to happen. You can count on it. It's a promise. And he says, in the last days, there's going to be scoffers who will say it's not going to happen. And so in verse 3, right before our reading today, in 2 Peter 3, uh, it says this. Above, Peter says, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing. Which I think is interesting, by the way. Scoffers scoff. That's what they do. If you're a scoffer, you scoff. So they were scoffing. Scoffers come scoffing and following their own, and, and following their own desires. And this is what they're going to say. Where is this coming 
he promised. It's not going to happen. He just made that up. Well, I would imagine there's many in our day, 2,000 years later, and he still hasn't come back yet. Many will say, oh, that's just a myth. He's not coming back. There's no end. Uh, that's not true. He's not coming. But Peter's point is, absolutely, it's coming. And he goes on to say, just as in the days of Noah, when the Lord spoke and a flood came and the unrighteous were washed away and only Noah and his family, the righteous, survived, he goes, in the same way, there's going to be an end, but not with water this time, as God promised, but with fire. Let me just read what he said in verse 7, right before the reading today. He says, By the same word, the word of the Lord, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of, of the ungodly. Again, I don't necessarily like what that says, but that's what it says. It says, there, was, there is an end coming at the judgment and there will be destruction by fire of the ungodly, those who aren't saved, those who haven't accepted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Um, that's coming, he says. He says, and then he goes on in verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. We've heard that before. And it says, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. And then in verse 12 in the reading today, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. I mean, four times in here, it's, this is happening. This is going to come. This is what's coming. And, and in the, the image here is of this fire, which is kind of like a refining fire where, where only that which is pure is going to make it through. And all that's not pure is going to be burnt away. Which, on the one hand, we're thank thankful for that. We look forward to the day when Christ comes back and puts an end to all the sin and all the suffering and all the unrighteousness and injustice. Yes, Lord, we want that. But it's not going to be pretty. And so, and so we go, well, what, what is this all about? And, and, and the point, though, and the main point of the passage is, is explaining, Peter's explaining, this is why Jesus hasn't come back yet. Because he doesn't want anybody to face that. It's like, you know, this world's coming. And God in his grace and in his love doesn't want anybody to face that coming fire. The, the main point here in the midst of this in verse 8, which was the beginning of our reading today, he says this, <laughs> excuse me, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise of coming back as some understand slowness. Instead, listen, he says, instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God in his love and in his grace wants every single human being on this planet to come to repentance, to have eternal life, to receive the forgiveness of their sins and spend eternity with him and avoid that coming destruction. That's how God's, that's how loving God is. And the fact, that's why he hasn't come back and put an end to everything yet. His first coming, he, he came to establish his kingdom and to make a way for everyone through the death of uh, his, his death on the cross for the forgiveness of sins to come into his kingdom and have that promise of eternal life. He wants everyone to receive that. So what, what do we do? How do we respond to a message like this? Kind of scary, kind of daunting. Well, what, what would be a proper response? Well, I love it when the text that we're looking at tells, you, tells us exactly how to respond. It makes a preacher's life easier. So Peter, in the midst of this passage, asked this question in verse 11. He says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, how? Destroyed by this coming fire. 
Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Good question. <laughs> okay. How do, we do, how do we respond? What do we do as a result of this news? And then he answers the question. And there's three, three applications in here to do. He says, you ought to live. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. And it says, and to speed its coming. I'll explain that in a minute. Live holy lives as you speed its coming. And then in verse 13, it says, in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. An end of the suffering. So three things. Live holy now, uh, speed its coming, and look forward to, to the, end, uh, the new heaven and the new earth. Well, I was inspired a few weeks ago when I was sitting in the congregation and Pastor Mike had three points that all began with B words. Remember that sermon about communion? Uh, I remember the second two, which was like belong and banquet. I can't remember the first one now, but still, the fact that I could remember several weeks later the points. So I, I like that. So I'm going to suggest three ways in which we can live those applications about using L words instead, which is to live holy, to love others into the kingdom, and to look forward to the return. Let me break those down and look at them individually. So first he says we're to live holy godly lives as we look forward to the, the second coming. We, we're to live as citizens of God's kingdom now. So again, the cross, his first coming, he came to dwell among us for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that all believe in him can not perish but have everlasting life. Through the cross, we can believe and enter into his kingdom and live in his kingdom now before he comes back. And so what that means is we no longer as Christians have to live as slaves to the old kingdom, slaves to the prince of this world, the devil. Instead, we can live as citizens of, and children of the king of kings and lord of lords. And if we're now citizens of, the king, of his kingdom and children of God, we should live like it, is what Paul is saying. Even in the midst of this fallen world. In verse 14, just again making the same point, he says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, the, the second coming, and this end coming, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Again, holy and godly. Again, the problem is, is that we want to do that and we're living in his kingdom, but we're also still living in this old kingdom at the same time. And there's this tug and pull of our old sin nature versus our desire to live holy uh, unto God. And, and we all struggle with that. Um, and, and so, and again, we're just living in this, this two, two kingdom reality. And, and it's not that we don't know we should be holy. The, the, the ought to is not news to us, right? We're, okay, I know I ought to live holy. It's more the how to and actually living holy that's the hard part sometimes. So, so how do we do that? How do we live like that? Well, I got a, a real good insight from the Lord this week to share with you. I was uh, praying in my quiet time about what to read next. And that's how I've done this for probably 20 years. I just say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to read uh, next in a book of the Bible? And I'll just read that for a while. And then when I'm done with that, I'll pray, okay, what next, Lord? Well, I finished, I finished one book of the Bible earlier in the week. And so I said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to read next? And the book of Daniel popped into my mind. I thought, well, that's interesting. I mean, I've read it before, but I wonder why he wants me to read Daniel. Well, as I read chapter one, I knew exactly why, because he wanted wanted me to share this next point with you. Uh, because, uh, so, so this Daniel, it's a great example of this struggle between how do I live in God's kingdom now with the, the struggle of, of this worldly kingdom tugging at me. Well, so Daniel, real quick, Daniel was in Israel and the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, came, destroyed Israel and took away the best of the best out of Israel to go live in, in the kingdom of Babylon. 
And specifically, it says that Daniel was put into, in essence, was a three-year indoctrination where he was going to be trained in how to live, live in order to serve the new king, King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, here's Daniel's struggle. Well, I don't, I, I want to, I'm in this kingdom uh, and I'm being indoctrinated, but I still want to live holy and pleasing to my one true king, God, the God of Israel. So he's got this struggle. And this is what it says uh, Daniel did. Verse 8. And this is the application, I think, for us. It says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank, the king drank. And it says, Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. There's two things in there. First of all, he purposed in his heart. I just love that language. He just, he just decided in his heart. He purposed in his heart. I am not going to do that unholy thing. I'm just not going to do it. He was determined. And I think for so, so often for us, with these temptations that are all around us, we just need a purpose in our heart. I'm not going to do it. I'm just not. No matter what, I'm not. I'm just refusing. I'm just, I'm just determined in my heart to not do that unholy thing. And, I, and in one translation I read, it talked about the, the meat, the king's meat and wine, and it described the, the delicacies of King Nebuchadnezzar. And I thought, well, that's an interesting word. All these delicious delicacies. He says, I'm not going to partake. I purpose in my heart. Well, that's how sin is, isn't it? I mean, if, if, if the sinful things uh, are, that are out there we're not supposed to do were all horrible, it would be easy to be holy, right? It'd be easy to choose the holy thing. But the problem is these sinful things are kind of delicious looking. Ooh, that kind of looks fun. I think I might want to try that. Ooh, that looks kind of good. And it draws us because it looks delicious, even though in the end it'll hurt. Um, but so that's why it's so tempting. But he said, he, it might look delicious, those delicacies, but I purpose in my heart, I'm just not going there. Not going to do it. And then he had a strategy. Uh, he had a plan, which was, okay, I'm not going to do it. So then he went to the, the, the person who was leading him with a plan and says, uh, and he requested, could he just eat vegetables and, and drink water instead? And he had a plan that he acted on. So I don't know what you struggle with in this sinful world as the, the world wobbles along in, in, in sin until the end comes. But I know because you're human, you struggle with something. It's the nature of our sin nature. And so whatever that is for you, I just want to encourage you to do as Daniel did. To perp you want to be holy in, in his kingdom now. Purpose in your heart, I'm just not going to give in to that struggle. By God's grace and with his help. And have a plan to put in place to protect yourself from that temptation. Okay, so that's the first thing. Live holy as, as God calls us to now until the end comes. The second thing is to love others into his kingdom. Remember, that's why Jesus has, hasn't come back yet. Because he's, he's waiting. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all to come to repentance and salvation and have eternal life. And so he's waiting for more and more people to come in. And so we, we want to be a part of bringing more and more people into the kingdom. In verse 15, again, just Peter reiterates, he says, Bear in mind that the Lord's patience, <laughs> excuse me, means salvation. The longer it takes, the more people can come to Christ. People ask, people all the time want to know, and some of you probably want to know and ask the question, when's Jesus going to come back? And, and the Bible says no one knows the, the day or the hour, the exact time when he comes back. But I'm here to tell you today, I know exactly when Jesus is coming back. You want me to tell you? I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you right now, I know exactly when the end will come, okay? And it's actually right here in Matthew, in, in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says, I'll tell you exactly when the end will come. 
And it says this, in Matthew 24, 14, Jesus is talking about the end times and the second coming. And he says, and this gospel of the kingdom, what, what's the gospel of the kingdom? That the first coming, that Jesus Christ came, died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, that all can believe in him, receive forgiveness, and enter into eternal life now and forever. This kingdom of God is broken into the kingdom of darkness. This good news of the kingdom, it says, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The end will come when the last person on earth who's going to accept Jesus for salvation accepts him, receives salvation, and then it's done. It's done. What, what, what other reason to wait around? Why, why wait to come back when everyone's saved who's going to be saved? So here's the thing. If you want to speed its coming and you want Jesus to hurry up and come back, do more evangelism. <laughs> Start telling more people about Jesus. How do, what, what if you're telling someone about Jesus and you pray with them to accept Christ as their Savior and that's the last person on earth who's going to be saved and boom, there, there he, it's on. It's, he comes. That'd be kind of cool, right? And I don't know. I don't, who knows? I'm, not, I'm kind of kidding, but not really. I mean, it could be. Let's tell more people about Jesus and see more people. That's what he's waiting to come back for. He doesn't want anybody lost. And we, in having his love in our hearts for others and for lost people, we should want everyone to come to repentance as well. All right, so, so love others and be about his kingdom work and be about sharing the gospel to speed the coming of his return. Live now in his kingdom as holy. Love others into the kingdom to speed its coming along. Be about the gospel mission. And the finally is to look forward, he says, to the coming of to Christ's return, the bringing the fullness uh, of his righteousness. Because that is a day to look forward to, isn't it? I mean, this life is hard. I mean, for the sake of people who don't know Jesus, I'm willing to wait as long as it takes. For one more person to come to Jesus, I'm willing to live with suffering and problems in this life because it's worth it. But man, do I look forward to a day when the suffering's over. In the pain that we have to live, this wobbly earth, broken as it is, going along. We all deal with sicknesses and diseases and, and uh, addictions and struggles. And uh, we deal with so much pain in this life, in this fallen world. Money problems and uh, broken relationships, right? And this time of year, sometimes it's all celebrations, but, but, but the broken relationships in our lives tend to come brought to the surface in the holidays because we have to interact with relatives we might avoid during the year and things like that. So it's this, all of this pain, we want an end to come and we should look forward to that day when he does bring an end to it all. And here's the thing, as we look forward to it, but as we wait in the meantime and have to struggle along and suffer some, in some ways, uh, we can remember this as first coming promises something important, that God chose to come and dwell with us in that pain. He's not a God that's out there and says, well, I hope it works out for you. The, the, he, he so loved the world that he came into the midst of this darkness to bring his light I love the banner over here for Advent. God with us, Emmanuel. We have a God who will be with you through the suffering. And he'll never leave you nor abandon you. And he'll see you through it all. Whatever that is for you. And so what it calls for, knowing that we have that promise coming. Uh, and then he's with us now. It calls for patient endurance as we look forward to the coming. I look, look at Hebrews 10. I'm going to read it to you. Hebrews 10. Talking about the return. It says this. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Keep persevering. Then you will receive all that he's promised for just in a little while, the coming one will come. The second advent will come and not delay. 
And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I'll take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. He doesn't want anyone to perish. But he says this, but, not, but we are not those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Because of the blessed assurance that we are his and that we're, we're going to be with him forever, because of that blessed assurance, we can have patient endurance while we wait that coming. Knowing he's with you. Let's pray. I want to pray two prayers. One for all of us to just apply these three areas uh, and to have our relationships with him strengthened as we, as we wait. And then I want to offer though a second prayer and that's for anyone here who you might not have that blessed assurance. You might not know that you know that you know that when the end comes, you're going to be with him forever, that you have that salvation. And I think I'd be remiss if I shared that with you today and I didn't at least give you the opportunity to ask Christ to be your Savior. So I'm going to pray two prayers. Uh, first for everybody. Father, I just pray for each person here, including myself, God, that we would, uh, we would, as we wait for your return, that we would live holy lives as you call us to. Help us to purpose in our heart not to give in to those things that tempt us and have a plan in place, a strategy to, to avoid those things in our life. God, make us holy as you want us to be. Father, I pray that you would help us to, to so love lost people as you do uh, that we would be about your mission and help as many people come into your kingdom uh, so they would have that blessed assurance as well. And put in our hearts and minds those who need that message that we know. And Father, uh, also help us to know that you are right here with us, whatever we're struggling with. And help us to just, in our relationship with you, know that you will help us to get through whatever the pain is until you come back. And now, if you're here this morning, again, and you don't know that you know that you know that you know, you think, well, maybe I am. I've been to church for a long time, but I don't know for sure that I'm saved. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer. Just repeat it after me. You can pray it silently or out loud. doesn't matter. God will hear you. But just mean it in your heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe you are the Son of God. Because you loved me, you came into the world, you died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I admit that I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to follow you now. And thank you for saving me for all eternity. In your name I pray. Amen.